Okay, so we're kind of wrapping up now um, the the latter part of the our, our study on God's providence. Uh, we're going to be starting today in Genesis, um, the latter parts of Genesis, specifically just the life of Joseph through uh, Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Uh, we're not going to touch every passage of text along the way. There, we're going to kind of do a high level, a high level scan of what's going on. I then want us to go over into Acts and look at <clears throat> look at Acts chapter two, verses twenty-two and twenty-three, and then we're going to wrap up in Romans chapter eight today. If there are any questions, hopefully we'll have time. If not, hit me up afterwards. Um, like if you have any hard questions, like I don't want us to ever like try to sidestep those type things. So um, if there if there are any questions that you have, like feel free at the end if we have time, or um, catch me after class or so, or something like that. Um, because today's what we're going to be looking at today is going to be is going to be kind of digging more and more into God's providence, specifically over uh, our lives, like like. I feel like when we think about things that are non-creaturely, those things are inanimate. They don't have souls. Like that, we don't have a hard time with God being in control of those things. It's when it's when the what we consider like the freedoms of creatures and and the freedom of God, those areas where those things kind of interact. That's where we get really uncomfortable. Um, because there's a lot of questions that we don't know like there's a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to there's lots of questions that we that we have a hard time if 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 a particular answer is true right so like this is this is an area that that we really struggle with um and I want us to like here's the thing scripture doesn't avoid these types of questions right like that's what we should get like as we as we kind of last week we're looking through um, various places in the text um, we were looking at at just kind of some high level like like points to where we see that God does interact very specifically like God guides our paths um, like you know God is in control I think that's a that's scripture's clear on that we have immediate questions that come out of that towards like evil itself and the problem of evil um, and that's natural like if I say that God's in control and that God's good and that God's all knowing and that God's all wise like it's a natural reaction for us to see what's around us and immediately say oh really right because if he was all knowing all good right all wise all powerful then why this evil or that evil that I can see, right? We don't even have to stretch our imagination to see that evil, right? Like it's 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 there, it's in front of us. Um, and if we were to give every moment of every day towards answering every question, towards every evil thing that we see, we would spend our entire lives. There's literally that much, right? So I can't. It's an overwhelming position for us to be in, to stand and say, I can't answer every why, right? Like, we can't answer every why. I am limited in the scope of life, right? There will be a day where I live no more on this earth, right? And I have a limited number of moments between now and then, and I can't given every one of them answer every why question 
To even attempt to do so would be futile on my part. So we've got to have a better solution to answering that than to say, I'm going to just start at the beginning and then, right? And the approach that I would tend to take towards that myself is I would look and say, well, is it possible that I could answer the hardest of the questions, right? Could I answer the hardest of the questions? And if I can answer the hardest of the questions, then I feel, I feel confident then that given sufficient time, we could run through all of the lesser issues, right? Um, so we're going to start doing that a little bit this morning. Uh, in no way are we going to plumb the depths of this. Um, just time is not going to permit us to. But uh, I think Scripture gives us a couple of key places. Um, we're going to be in Genesis. If you would turn with me to Genesis, <clears throat> uh, just kind of flip to Genesis chapter 37. We're just going to kind of we're going to do a quick scan um, of Genesis chapter 37 through 50. We're not going to be reading all of of it, so um, we're just going to kind of. M- most of your Bibles probably has some type of uh, like like chapter titles or some titles that are that are going to be present above. Um, each of the uh, kind of major major sections or major storylines. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of follow that and kind of get an idea of what's going on. We're probably most of us uh, familiar with <coughs> what's going on um, here. We're talking about the the life of Joseph. Um, you know, so we're gonna. I want us to. There's a couple of key things that I do. A couple of key details that I do want us to. I'll point out along the way as we consider this. Like, I want us to consider, we know Joseph's life, right? Like, Joseph, he's got brothers. His brothers don't like him. His brothers don't like him because they see his, their dad's favoritism towards him. When I say they don't like him, they like Scripture says they hated him, right? Uh, hated him so much they were going to kill him. Um, they figure, you know, like, they kind of talk themselves out of that. And instead of killing, killing him, they sell him into slavery, fake his death so that they take that to his to their dad right so like as far as their dad is concerned uh his son is dead right so they may not have killed him in actuality but they killed him in their father's mind right um so like he wrote the father their father rode that emotional roller coaster right because he wasn't in on the inside joke as it were um, <clears throat> so we we see that kind of that's early on into this into the story of Joseph too, right? Um, a couple of things that I want us to that I want to kind of highlight here is some of the timing because I want us to get like what time frame are we working with when we're considering the life of of Joseph and the things that are going on around Joseph. So um, chapter thirty seven, verse two, um, we get. A picture of, of a, a general time frame of how old Joseph was um, whenever uh, this this event took place. So chapter chapter thirty seven verse two. These are the generations of Jacob. Um, verse so so then it says Joseph, being seventeen seventeen years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. Uh, it goes on a little bit more. Joseph. Um, Goes on to tell them about some dreams that he's having, some dreams um, that would that that lead everyone that hear those dreams to think that Joseph's being a bit 
high minded in this. Like he's like, you guys are going to be bowing before me, but he's using like the humble brag to go about doing that, right? Like he's, I had this dream, um, and 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 my sheaves were your sheaves were bowing to my sheaves, like right? Like I had the, I had another dream. Like once you you would think that you would think that once you told them the first the first dream and and they didn't respond as you thought that they were, that you'd be like, I'm just going to keep any subsequent dreams to myself but but no Joseph decided it would be a good idea to tell them about the the other dreams that he has he brings his father into those dreams as well and his father doesn't react as you would as you would think so like verse 9 we see this um, so this is a 17 year old uh 17 year old guy here then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said behold I've dreamed another dream behold the sun the moon the 11 stars were bowing down to me Uh, but when he told it to his father and his brothers his father rebuked him and said to him what is this dream that you've dreamed shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you so Joseph is 17 years old. He's having these visions. He's having these dreams. He's clearly rubbing his brothers the wrong way. His father, he's a favorite among his, his father. His father's showing him favoritism. Uh, the brothers set it in their heart to kill him. They end up not killing him, um, but they sell him into slavery. So around about 17 years old is when this stuff is kicking off. Um, he's sold into slavery. Um, he's he's then, uh, if, if we kind of fast forward in that story a little bit, um, Potiphar is, he, he, he kind of, um, he's sold to, to Potiphar in Egypt, he's an officer of the Pharaoh. You can see that at the end of uh, kind of the verse 36 of of chapter 37. Um, so he's he's sold into slavery. So at 17 years old, um, sold into slavery. Um, you, you, there's a couple of places along the way where it's like it's like even though he's going through this like like craziness. Like, God's still, like, each and every, like, point along the way, it's like God's showing in favor. I'm like, <clears throat> and then I've had this discussion in the past with people, and they're like, they point to, like, but God showed him, God showed him favor, right? Like, God showed him favor, like, like and I'm like, yeah, God, he was still a slave, right? Like, he's, he's still not free to go, right? Like, God's showing him favor, yes, but it's like, how many of you want to be in that same situation? You don't see your family. Your, your, your brothers hate you to the point that they would sell you into slavery. Your father thinks that you're dead. You're away from your family. You're away from your people. And, and yet God shows you favor so that other people get the benefits of this, right? Because that's, a, that's what's going on in, in this situation. Um, he's not the one being looked out for, right? Like, as God's showing him favor, these benefits are flowing over into the people who, have, who are essentially doing wrong to him in these, in these situations. They're reaping the benefits of this. Of, of course, he gets slightly better treatment, um, but whenever uh, we progress on in this story and Potiphar's wife starts, starts making up lies about him, Potiphar's not like, okay, you know, like... I believe Joseph because he's a trustworthy guy and all these benefits have kind of come to my household because of this. No, his wife lies. He knows his wife, right? Like this is this is something that doesn't happen like in one in one 
today. Like, like Potiphar knows his wife. No doubt he's probably seen these signs for some time. And now all of a sudden, like, Joseph gets his clothes tore from him and flees. Like, he's clearly, he's clearly somewhat honest here or knows that the hammer will come down heavy on his head, right? So, like, he's got no part in this. She lies about him. He doesn't get off the hook. He gets put in prison, right? Like, he goes he goes uh, to jail. And then while he's in there, like, God's still showing favor, right? So it's like you go from slavery, God's showing you favor, to you go to prison, and God's showing you favor. Again, like, I would like, please someone raise your hand who wants favor while you're locked up, Right? Like, how many of us want that kind of favor, right? Like, we'd rather be free, right? Yeah, he's locked up. He's in this. He's he's in this prison. Some some people come uh, that are placed in this prison that have dreams. Um, we see him interpreting these dreams <clears throat> again because God's blessing him with the ability to do this, right? But what happens? They get out. One of them, it goes sideways quickly. <laughs> One ends up dead. The other ends up back in, the, in his position and completely forgets about Joseph. So Joseph's blessings become the blessing of others all the while Joseph's forgotten about. Right? Stays in prison. <clears throat> Some time passes, um, and we're going to kind of we're going to kind of look as we dig into this um, at, at kind of what time are we thinking about has passed here. So we remember 17-ish years old whenever all this stuff uh, kind of kicks off. Um, he goes into slavery. He goes into prison. At some point, right, like things start like picking up for him. How far along in, in Joseph's story has he? How many years has he lost to this plan of God? And I'm air quoting the plan of, of God here, right? What point did he realize that it was? Because he does realize it at some point, right? And, how, and, and again, I ask this question, how many of us would want God's plan, plan to work out for us in the same way that it worked out for him? Because it wasn't like he was 17 years old, this happened to him, he went on a short journey, and then at like 19 or 20, all was right with the world, right? What, what span of time are we talking about when all of this stuff takes place? Um, so if we were to flip to... Um, chapter, if we ch- flip to chapter 41 and we look at 46. Um, so from the point, so all this stuff's taking place, goes into slavery, goes into prison. He's, he's like, everybody else is benefiting from, from the blessings that God's given to him. He seems to be seeing some, but, but I would say a very muted amount of that blessing. It, it tends to be everybody else is benefiting from him. He's, he's seen these dreams. He's seen these visions. He's been able to interpret them. Um, for the, or they've seen these dreams, and he's been able to interpret them for, the, for those who've seen them. And then finally, um, somebody remembers, oh yeah, there was this guy. So now the Pharaoh, like the, the most powerful man in all the land, um, has had this dream. And the guy that, that years prior had had his dream interpreted by Joseph remembers, oh yeah, I'd made him a promise. <laughs> so, a little late now. A little late, right? So now he says, oh yeah, but here's the thing, right? Like what we would get from the story is that even the forgetting of the promise was whose plan? Right? Like, like 
again, like, consider, consider, because what we're going to see here is that 40, in, in verse 46 here, Joseph was 30 years old when he, when he entered the service of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 30 years old. How many years is that? So, somebody hit me with the math. 13 years old. Okay, now, what happens in the story? What happens in the story in the next seven years after service? There's, 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 God pours blessing out, right? But, but blessing with an eye towards famine, right? Like there's going to be seven good years, there's going to be seven bad years, right? So seven good years come. Right? And we're storing up, we're preparing because God's been good, God's been wise, God's timing is, is perfect, right? He's put exactly who He would in place in this moment. Seven years passes. How many years? Like, what's the span of time from um, them, them walking into Joseph's father and being like, he's dead and, and here's, the, here's the bloody clothing to the point that we start seeing his family come back in the picture. So 13 years, plus another seven, we're talking 20 years. He's my age, right? From 17 years old to my age. I think about all the life that I've lived from, from 17 to now. Right? Like I would consider that to be the better, the better years because now my body's starting to show signs of wear, show signs of aging, right? Like the good years he had, I'm gonna air quote again, stolen away for this plan of God. Is that, is that what we're saying? So it turned out good at the end, right? So it turned out good at the end. Tell me that when I'm 23 and in prison. Or enslaved, right? Dude, Landon, it's going to be all good when you're 37. Right? It's going to be all good 20 years from now. How many of us look 20 years forward? Right? How many? Especially not when you're 17. Right? Like, like, as we're, when we're, when we're young, we tend to look, or this is the way that, this is the way that it works for me. I'll, I'll, like, I'll, I'll look to the weekend. Right? <laughs> like, that's what it was. It was like, it was like, because you got school, <laughs> because you got school, because you got school and the responsibilities, but let Friday come, right? Like, so you start looking for that, right? That's about as far as we, and here's the reality, right? I'm 37, and I, and I realized that much of the way that I tend to look is the same. I'm looking for Friday about the time that work is done. And then what happens? Monday's here. And I'm looking for Friday. Right? Like we look that way. We do not. So what happens? When something happens to me this week, the farthest that my mind tends to look is seven days out. How am I? 
with the with the with the sight that sees no more than seven days out, going to see seven years, much less twenty years, to where that moment that was the that was the the, the moment in my life that shifted me in a completely different direction. Can we agree that when he showed up to his brothers and they were out and they're like, We're gonna kill him, no, we're gonna throw him in a pit, no, we're gonna sell him like that that was a pivotal moment in his life. That his life took a completely different trajectory. Like, can, like we agree with that, right? How many of us, when we face any particular moment in our life where we consider this is a trajectory change, consider that it might be decades before we get the answer to why? How many of us are comfortable with that? Here's the reality, though. Here's the reality. Is that there may be things that happen in our lives that are not for us directly. Right? Like, there may be things that happen in my life that cause me to live and act in a certain way that changes three generations down the line. Right? That I never see the effect of it. But if all I'm doing is looking for seven days out, looking for the weekend, if that is as far as my eyes can see when considering the plans of God, then I will constantly be facing questions that I have no clue about how I would answer it. Right? I think about Moses. Like, God used him in a way like to, to get his people out of Egypt... But that wasn't just, that wasn't primarily for Moses. Like Moses was, you know, the catalyst, the, the person in charge. But Moses doesn't even see, like he doesn't even get to go in the promise. Right. Land. And like all that leading up to that point, like it wasn't for him. It was for the remnant to, to enter. See, and here's what's here's what's crazy when we consider when we consider that that it's not for like like it takes a very selfless way of observing the world to to let to entertain that idea, right? Now, can we can we like will you grant me that we are not born with that selflessness, right? Will you you'll grant me that? That from birth, it's about me, it's about I, and this is this is why we can't entertain thoughts that are more than than something that would include us, right? So a lot of times when we consider that, when we consider the evil that might come upon me, the only the only answers that I will entertain are answers that satisfy me, right? So what happens when we get ourselves in that mindset is we limit ourselves in a major way from a, a whole scope of answers that might be real, right? That that thing that happened to you that was evil, that some evil act was perpetrated against you, ultimately, you, you're going to have to bear that for someone else, right? Like, can we entertain that as a possible solution? Is it possible that things happen to us that are evil that others might benefit? Right? 20 years, Joseph. 20 years he's in this. 
Right? If you ask him at 17 if he had the answer that he starts giving to his brothers when he sees them. So, so now we're at this point that seven years of good, good years have come. They've been able to store up, right? And now we're in the seven years of famine and, and every surrounding, every surrounding people are struggling. And now Joseph's position that, that comes out of many trials, many struggles, has put him in a place that he can make wise decisions that can now benefit many others outside of him, including his brothers and sisters, or his brother's father, his family as a whole, right? So we find ourselves here, and this is kind of the story progressing, um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's wonderful we get to see kind of a... a, a a picture of God kind of wrapping this particular um, uh, package up, like like this. One of the reasons that I've selected this one is that we is that we can see the long span of time, and we can also see that working together. Right? There are many cases in the Old Testament where things are taking place that they never saw the bow tied neatly. Right? Many places. Because the, the, the package that was being put together we don't see until the New Testament, right? Like many of the events that happen in the Old Testament. All, here's, I say many, all events in all history point to and from the cross, right? So when the bows are not tied up in the Old Testament... Right? When we don't get the particular accounts like we see here with Joseph where it actually, we, we can see, I can see it work. Right? I can see it work. Many of them did not. You go look at the book of Hebrews, right? And you see the hall of faith. Many of them did not see what was coming except for very vaguely, right? Allusions to. Adam and Eve. And the promise that you get is that your offspring will crush the head. How vague could you be, Lord? <laughs> right? I don't, right? I believe it. Right? I have faith in the one who makes promises, not in my ability to understand the promises fully. Right? Like that is a saving faith. Not a faith that has to have it wrapped up in a bow. Right? But a faith that trusts in the one who promises. Now the question is, has he shown himself faithful? Right? Has he, has he shown himself able to, to tie a tidy bow? And I, I think the answer that Scripture consistently points us to is yes. Scripture does not attempt to, to solve every single problem of evil that might come upon you. It points to the biggest. And it answers it faithfully and completely. So that the one who would listen and see will believe, right? Who who will hear what Scripture says will believe. So now we're over. So this story's kind of played out. We're now in the years of famine. Joseph's family um, is 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 struggling. They come to Egypt, and lo and behold, twenty years later, give or take a, a year or two or three. Um, Joseph is now in this position of power. Um, he is second in command um, of of the the greatest superpower of his day. Um, his brothers come; they are greatly distressed. 
and rightfully so, because if it was any of us in this same position, I think when we consider it, we're like, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna rain down fire on you and you have never seen. Right? Like, wait until my wrath gets set off on you. But something happened. Something shifted. Right? Some, somewhere along the way, those dreams that I would tell you to be boastful about, I'm humbled in. Right? Can you see that? Like, like I'm going to tell you my second dream because it makes me feel good that I'm going to be the chosen one. Right? Right? So much so that you're going to hate me. That my father's going to rebuke me. Like, what kind of, what kind of like pride must be in place that you think you're going to reign and your father's going to bow down to you? But as a young man, how, like, how would you, how would you wrestle with the weight of that type of knowledge even in glimpses, right? Probably not the wisest. In this, what happens when your when your power is met with the humility of God's plan working out in ways that you didn't see it? The end is the same, right? The end is the same. The way that you see it getting there probably is not going to work out like like you. He woke up that morning and was like, "I got to tell somebody about this dream." <laughs> I got given him the 20 year span of time between it taking place he probably would have hushed his mouth a little bit (laughs) like maybe we don't let's, let's pump the brakes on this Lord but now he finds himself having life shaped him and God working in blessings even in the cursings right like God steering every point along the way God is with him shaping him molding him through the good through the bad so that when this day comes what does he say his brothers come and they like they're they're scared he says this is chapter 45 verse 5 Let's let's back up a little bit. Um, Verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. So let's unpack this a little bit. Who sold him into Egypt? His brothers, right? Is it, was it their work in him being here, right? Did their evil lead to this moment? Are they alleviated from that evil? They still committed that evil, right? Like that evil is theirs. But don't be distressed and angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So what? So so they sold, yet God sent, right? The mechanism by which God sent was what? Them selling, right? All things He works all things, and this should comfort us, not push us into a place of fear. 
Because He is in control. There will be no more evil than necessary for His plan to play out. No more evil than necessary. Right? How can we say that knowing that to be true? Because He is in ultimate control. Right? So there's no point that evil could press out upon you that was not a place that He had allowed it to press. Right? There's nothing that will befall you that is a surprise to Him. No more than him, no more than Job show, showing up in that field that day and then wanting to kill him, deciding to throw him into a pit instead, and then selling him into slavery. God sent him to Egypt. That's what Joseph said. This is his words here. And now don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. What's happened in Joseph's mind? How has he come to understand all that's happened to him? It's for a purpose outside of himself, right? So when we consider the evil that comes upon us, when we consider the trials of our day, many times we struggle with the answers because the answers, the only answers that will allow to be valid answers are those answers that satisfy my need, my craving, right? This God pointed Joseph's life 20 years <clears throat> to this moment for this all the evil all the trials all the struggles for this right for a greater good than Joseph right for the good of his entire family for the good of those who would have killed him lest God's plan been something else right all of this. And he understands this here. That God sent. They committed sin, yet God sent. He can say those two things simultaneously because God had a purpose to preserve life. This is not the only time that he, that he says this statement. If we flip over now <clears throat> to chapter 50. So flip with me to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to look at verse 20. So again, like... Um, at this point, like we've had multiple things play out, like Joseph's family's been—they've been reunited. His father, um, his 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 father <clears throat> has been had been brought back to him, and and now we're we're kind of at the it, we're at the end of this particular story. We're at the end um, here, and th- we, we find. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so we find that Jacob's died, um, and now the brothers are again fearful because the father is no longer here. And there's this sense in their mind that that now that our dad's gone, like now, like Joseph, like has been holding back in their minds, right? Like like Joseph's been holding back what he would have wanted to do to us because he did not want his father to undergo any more stress and now that he's now it's coming for us right now if now his true colors his true intentions for us is going to shine through that's the fear right he's been holding back for dad's sake and now dad's dad's gone now it's now it's time for him to show us what he was really planning for us so they have this they have have this fear 
Again, um, verse 18 of chapter 50. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in, I, for I am, or, or for am I in the place of God? Verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So is it possible that, 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 that things that are evil, evil people commit against you? That's going to happen, right? Like evil will come for you. But is it possible likewise that the things that others mean for evil, God can work for good? Like we would, Scripture would seem to, to point here in Joseph. This again, this is his words here. This is, this, his heart has been so shaped that this is the default that he defaults to, right? Like they come in fear because they're not defaulting in the way that he is. Right? Like his life, these struggles, these trials have shaped his mind in such a way that his default is to default on God's, this is God's plan. This is God's working out here. So as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Verse 21, so do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones. Thus he uh, comforted them and spoke kindly. To them, so we see this in Joseph's life. I want us to flip. We've got about eight or nine minutes. Um, I want us to flip to the book of Acts. Um, we're going to look at a place here where, where Scripture makes crystal clear. So, Acts chapter two, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. So 22 and 23 of Acts. So this is uh, Peter here has been has been preaching on the day of Pentecost um, at, towards the end of his towards the end of his uh, sermon here, um, verse 22. Uh, Men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus. Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So why was Jesus delivered up? It was God's plan. And He did so in accordance with His plan and His foreknowledge. You, now look what He, look what he does here. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So does the fact that the cross was the plan from the beginning exclude or or negate the guilt of those who who worked in committing this atrocious act? No, right? Scripture lets these two realities like the responsibility of man and the plan and working out of that plan of God Scripture lets them live together. Right? Though what happens is that we get into these places and it makes us uncomfortable. Scripture just puts them out there. This is reality. It was God's plan and you crucified and killed him. Right? Like those two realities are true. Right? So we see, like, and, and, and again, let's, let's flip to Romans chapter 8. Verse twenty-eight. So we see that the that the most evil act in all human history, the 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 innocent 
the innocent one, the lamb slain um, for the sin of the for the sin of the world. We we see this um, as the as the pinnacle of human evil. That, that humanity would see the light and desire darkness. Um, this is this is as evil as it gets. There is no one more innocent than a thirty-something-year-old man who's never committed a sin. Like it doesn't get more innocent than that. Like that is an innocence beyond our beyond our uh, our understanding. Like that's holiness. That's righteousness. Um, it's the only way that you can that you can ex- explain that. And even using those words doesn't doesn't do justice. To the character of the one who was, um, who that evil was committed um, on that day. But that same that same person who the evil was committed to in the moment of was saying forgive, right? Like like his Christ's default was love, even to those who were committing these sins against him, right? Like even in the moment of. There's no like he could call down the hosts of heaven to destroy all of mankind. And yet his default in that moment was looking outside to the joy set before him, right? Like he looked past the weekend, right? So um, when we when we consider this, when we consider God's working, um when we consider all that he's done, when we consider the gospel itself, like it is in these truths, right? It is in these truths that we kind of shore up our understanding of what God is doing, who God is, and we rest and can rest in statements like what we find in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then? Verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, do you think that Joseph could say that? Like, in that 20 year span of time, do you think that, that God was working that into him through the events? Right? Was God ever at any moment in any of those trials set against him? No. No. He was working together, not just Joseph's good, right? Like God's not just working together your good. He's working together the good of His people, right? And sometimes, because we're evil from birth, right? Every action that we take, we take with a bend towards darkness until Christ steps in and intervenes in our life. Every action. So when, when, when you're working with the pitiful work that we are, like there's going to be places along the way where you can't explain what he's doing here, right? Because you can't see the work that he's doing. Because it is bigger than you, right? But we know, we know, 
Right? So, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? It is God working together for us, uh, for his glory in the work of Christ. And we can trust that if it, that if His plan included Christ coming and dying, being perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly good, and that He can orchestrate that, then every other lesser evil, He's got that, right? It's not outside of His... Like he, it didn't catch him off guard. He wasn't uh, like it wasn't like he woke up and then this morning it's like, oh, that happened. I didn't see that coming, right? Like we're talking about a God who can orchestrate through ages and ages of humanity a single moment for His glory. If He can do that, if He can do that through generations of people who rebel against Him, if He can work that moment, right? Then all of the other things are 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 there's no there's no effort that he will need to make Romans eight twenty eight come true, right? Like we have seen in the work of Christ, him working this to perfection. So when we face those places where we don't have the answers to the whys that God would allow, we can rest that he can, right? We can rest that he's able. Because we trust in who He is. We trust in His character. We know that He is is good and that He is faithful and that He is true.